This is episode 44. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Sick. <coughs> 44. 44. Getting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cold. Cold again in Wisconsin. Go figure. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. Windy as fuck. Hace yeah. mucho viento. Just outside doing a little workout. It's been a while. Work haven't worked out in the forge in a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I've been sticking to my living room workouts pretty much every morning, though. But, yeah, it's been a while. Mm. Yeah. You still hitting the gym, Billy? Yeah. Yeah, I was doing, actually, like, quite a bit of Stairmaster cardio. <laughs> nice. I kicked that up the last, like, <clears throat> few weeks before the trip to get ready for the the hiking. Yeah. Which helped a shitload. It did? So it went well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, I mean, it was still hard. Like, it wasn't easy. But I was just in good shape. And then, you know, I added all my gear to myself as well. Because we started in the morning and it'd be, you know, 28, 30 degrees some days. And we'd get to like 60, 65. So that was a big swing. But yeah, it was legit. I haven't hunted much out in, you know, like real hilly country. We're all flatlanders, so. Yeah. So that's what I'm kind of used to. But it was, it was really, really neat. A lot of hiking. A lot of sandy, sandy ground. You got a turkey? Yeah, I killed one, which was awesome. Got to see a lot of really good turkey action, too, which was really neat. So, I've turkey hunted here a couple times, but I've never... It's, it's never really gone good for me. It's never a hunt that I've gotten there. I've ever been able to pull together, you know, and have a turkey do what it's supposed to do and then also kill it. So this is a new thing for me. Well, I think that depends on you doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I think a lot of hunting, I'm sure as you guys know, like even with deer hunting, is just being in the right place at the right time with the animal that is going to act how you want it to act. Yeah. Because they can do a lot of, you know, just goofy shit. Well, and I mean, I was, as we were talking earlier, I said like woodsmanship is important. And I really think, and anybody who is considered to have good like woodsmanship or is a good hunter the number one thing they're going to say is, yeah, you just need to get out in the woods as much as possible. Like, no matter what you're even doing, like, if you're shed hunting or if you're just scouting or hunting, like, hunting anything, it just makes you better at being out in the woods, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, that was you and Nico went to Nebraska. We mentioned that in a couple other episodes, but in case you might didn't catch up. How was the drive down there? Was it alright? Boring? It wasn't too bad. I, uh, we got a little bit late start, because I got my, like, I picked up my new truck that afternoon. The dealership <laughs> texted crazy. me during the day, and they were like, hey, yeah, your shit's <laughs> done. And I was like, ah, I was really hoping I could just wait until after I was back. But Yeah, work out the kinks. Let's take it out on a road trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we didn't, we didn't take my truck, thank God. I don't know, I could dirty as fuck the first week that I had it. Just total it. Yeah, that was <laughs> horrible. But no, the drive down wasn't bad. We left here probably like 9 o'clock, got to the property at 9, was hunting by 9.30. I'd missed my first bird at like noon Friday, so that was fun. But it, dude, when we got there, we were just like kind of zombies. Because the first day I had, we each had an opportunity, and we just missed. And I think the crossbows were a little off because we took them back to camp and shot them a bunch. We had to make some adjustments. But we were just, like, so tired. And then the, it was a great day for hunting, though, so we couldn't, you know, the weather was just perfect, so we couldn't, couldn't waste it, go home and or go to the campsite and sleep when it's, like, an amazing day. So. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was part of the fun of opening 
day of duck season was being so fucking tired just <laughs> stayed up and drank and whatever the night before and got like two hours of sleep maybe and yeah and like then just had an hour fucking yeah. getting everything loaded up yeah that's that's kind of part of that was being fucking <laughs> a zombie but uh yeah i don't know why we do that it's like every <laughs> year like after the weekend's down it's like god i'm so tired why did we do that this weekend but then every duck season i'm like so excited that I don't even want to sleep. I'm just like, <laughs> I wanted to be here right now. I have to sleep again. It means there's a whole other night. But if I just stay up, it's only a couple hours away. Hell yeah. yeah. For sure. You said you wouldn't hunt with a crossbow again, though, huh? No, no. So I use a crossbow. Nico was using a crossbow because he had shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. And I used a crossbow mostly because I just didn't practice enough with my vertical bow. Like, admittedly. You know, I just didn't put in the time. And also... I knew we were going to be doing a lot of kind of run and gun, spot and stalk hunting. So I figured that a crossbow might be better for that because I can sneak through the woods and just fucking, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. and it was it was good for that, like, most of the time. You know, because you didn't have to get to full draw when you're, you got birds, like, maybe 15 yards away from you that you just snuck up on. So that, for that reason, it, it, there was one or two times where it was nice to have. But it's so bulky, taking it through the woods... You know, because it's fucking wide, and then it's cocked, so you've got the strings coming down, and you're always, like, trying to keep it out of the way and stuff, and then mine is all metal, so it was heavy as fuck. Damn. So it was probably, like, three times the weight of, like, what my shotgun would be. Fuck. So, yeah, it was, it was, I was like, I do not like this thing. It's just big and bulky and heavy, and, like, I would way rather have a vertical bow, even if it means I get less opportunities because I can't get to full draw. Just carrying through the woods would be so much more enjoyable. And then when if I do kill one with... A vertical boat, you know, it's even more badass. Yeah, but yeah. it is it is fucking hard to hunt those things with any arrow. Yeah, you know they're meant to be shot with a shotgun. We <laughs> we could have easily because in Nebraska you can legally get up to three tags as an out of state hunter. So we could have came home with six birds, and if we'd have had shotguns, we would have came home with six birds. Holy shit! That well, you awesome. were saying, or if Nico would have been able to use his recurve, probably. Yeah, probably we would have came home with at least more than we. More than just one. But that's the thing, too, with recurves, is because we were, we were having a debate earlier. Yeah. He would have used his compound down there, but he wants to get into recurve hunting. Well, not to rehash that whole argument, but it was pretty much established at the end of the argument, yeah. So, difference between recurve and compound, compound, in your guys' argument, we just had compounds, the one with sights, recurve is without sights. Or traditional camps. traditional archery. Yeah. And yeah, and I was saying how... Well, I was saying because recurve doesn't have cams. And so, yeah, traditional versus compound, whatever. But how compound... Or how traditional kind of maximizes effectiveness since it, the bow is arguably less, like, capable is through arrow construction because been listening to a lot of podcasts where they're talking about this shit and they're saying how like having high front to center mass of the arrows like ed ashby was saying it's huge and then in the book saxon pope archery by saxon pope where they talk learn from ishii all of his arrows were super high front of center like he actually like obviously made his arrows out of wood and so he would get like branches that were thicker on one end and kind of whittle them down but just re- recurve is able to shoot, or traditional archery is able to shoot such heavier arrows. Like, yeah, they're way slower, but they're so much heavier. And especially if they have a single bevel, because 
you put a little bit of spin on it when you set your feathers and so it'll spin and if you have a single bevel set in the way like so when it spins it's essentially like a screw it just pops apart bones so like ed ashby was saying he's hunts all big game like moose and elk with his traditional archery setup he just shoots it in the shoulder and it blows up both of its front shoulders like <laughs> It's crazy how once you're able to maximize the arrows, the efficacy of traditional archery goes way up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to be exploring this summer, kind of experimenting with once I kind of get back into it. Because, I mean, you can get that easy fletch where it's like you can get the one with the kind of helical spin on it and you can just feather your own arrows. So I get somebody to make some arrow shafts for me on a lathe or something or i make some myself so yeah that'll be pretty dope yeah that'd be neat i definitely want to make it a point to this summer to practice with my vertical bow a lot more get ready for for bow season this year yeah because i i don't see myself ever hunting turkeys again with bow yeah we should practice together then like you you know kind of like how running it keeps each other accountable we should should just pick a a day a week and just go try and get together and shoot shoot yeah for sure i want to get like try to set up maybe like a mini 3d range around my yard that'd be fun yeah yeah we could do that because yeah i definitely want to keep shooting once or twice a week just Probably just all the time. Just you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. I don't wanna have any kind of like difference in the season just yeah. to always stay good with and it. And I just enjoy sh- like shooting. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. it, every time I shoot, it's like wow, that was that was great. Yeah. Like I feel so much more relaxed and just like <clears throat> that was fun. You know, so I don't it's when I think about it, it's like oh, I haven't shot in a week or a month. It's like what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, I've been I've been barely time. keeping up with once a week since uh leagues ended. And I might have even taken a week off somewhere. And you go to Bucks and Bulls to like, shoot normally? Yeah, just because it's closer. I, I like, I'd probably go to Blackhawk more if it was closer, but it takes so much time. It's like 20 minute drive out between, you know, so yeah. 40 minutes and then yeah, shoot versus for an Bucks hour, and Bulls like, is like two minutes, three minutes away from it, you down Water much, Street. Yeah, so. It's, it was a layer, like five bucks an hour or something mm-hmm. like that. Seven yeah. Bucks an hour. They're moving now, though. They're going to be down in Plover, so it'll be. Uh, oh, really? Be a little bit more of a, a drive, but still not, not where, as far as Blackhawk. Where in Plover are they moving? I th- man, I think they're doing it at where they're at, where the Thirsty Arrow is. So like you know, um, yeah, or King or across from King Cone. Yep. Um, yeah, they they okay. made their bar restaurant there, and I'm pretty sure they got like the other side, and that's where okay. they're putting the the archery range and stuff. But it's gonna Sweet. be like bar shop archery range. Like it's all gonna be like open so connected kind yeah of. <laughs> it'll all be like a big like you'll be able to like, have legit. a beer and watch people shoot and like whatever that's so, cool though yeah it'll be kind of a cool yeah i think it'll be a cool little setup oh cool yeah environment have to go there and shoot while getting harassed by like people that are half in the bag right <laughs> they're just like talking shit performing under pressure <laughs> that's funny <clears throat> i tell you i shoot better with a beer that was uh the last last night of league maybe second night last night um was shooting and it was kind of getting like a had a, a like a little dip in performance in the middle like I usually my first two rounds are usually like perfect you just shoot like five x or not five x's but five like you know get the five points and then two three x's maybe you had the first two rounds and then by the third round i'm like okay 
two down, ten to go. Yeah, you got a three hundred going. Too. You're fine. Just keep doing this for the next ten, and then but I fucking blow it. I'm like, God damn it! It's like, why would you tell yourself? You're, just, just shoot. Just, just forget it. Yeah. So, uh, just forget your life. Fuck that up, and then I'm like, okay, you're okay, you're okay, and then I'll come back. And I'm like, okay, see, you're okay, and then I'm like. Okay, a couple more rounds in a row. See, you just gotta do this like six more times. <laughs> Damn it! And then I get like pissed twice in a row. And I'm like, oh my god. So uh, yeah, so the I beer yeah. just like relaxes. Somebody yeah, get me a beer. yeah, somewhere around like five or six, I'm like, I'm you know starting to fucking miss, and I'm shooting twenty four with you know a couple X's. And then uh, yeah, cracked open a beer, and then I finished out my last like four rounds were twenty five and like three or four X's every time. It was fucking. It helps though too. Uh, once you start getting more X's, you start tearing up the paper, and so it's like a bigger thing for you to see where you're aiming at. So you can. Oh yeah. It's a little bit easier to aim, but. Nice. I don't know. Yeah, I got on a roll, and it was just like, oh, cracked open a beer, just nice bush light, feels perfect with archery. Yeah, speaking of, you guys want a beer? It's ten in the morning. Of course, I'll have a beer. <laughs> oh yeah. Should we take a break? Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. Was um. Some things aren't for us to know. Yeah. So it's like some of those things are it's like the, those things aren't for mortals to know. You know, it's like no matter how long you live, some things you just may never learn. So anybody who says for sure might be mistaken. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. There was uh, there was definitely some philosophers that thought that you could that everything could be known. You just had to had to fucking. Like, if you couldn't figure it out, that was just because you're falling short. Like, it is able to be known, but... I don't know. Like, out in the universe, it's able to be known. Yeah, yeah, you could you could know it, but it's just like, if you can't figure it out, it's... it's that's a, your own it's, shortcoming. It's, yeah. <clears throat> but... That's really interesting. Like, yeah. the knowledge is there for the right vessel. The right yeah. vessel just has to come along. It's like Elon Musk, dude. <laughs> but the thing is, though, is where does that end? So it's like, when will it be... Like, when will you know all of it? You, you have to keep searching because there's always more to be uncovered. So, in another way, there is an unlimited amount to be known. So. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, my thing is I think that it kind of goes with the uh, idea that we're, like, made in the image of God type of thing. But, um, like, our mind, let's say, that, like, our human capacity to think about stuff and to kind of understand our mind and have these abstract thoughts and whatever, I think that coupled with... The fact that we, perf like, the pursuit of a goal is more satisfying than achieving the goal. Like, as soon as you get your goal, you're like, all right, what's next? Like, what's the next thing? You know, where humans get their satisfaction is in the climb, not the summit. And so I think if you combine those two, you get a never-ending pursuit and, like, while utilizing our minds. You know what I mean? So, like, pursuing these kind of questions that I don't really even think have answers and i think that's kind of the point i think that's a like the epitome of how you can use your i don't know your mind to complete this human experience like the i guess the best use of it is coupling what humans like the most and then like what's most unique about us and putting that into just like pursuing questions that don't have answers like deep philosophical and theological kind of stuff okay yeah i like that <laughs> I like that. Yeah. In um going back to a hunter gatherer's guide to the twenty first century, fucking love that book. Um 
that's kind of their whole that's the whole book is they build up what hunter gatherer homo sapiens are like how we came to be and what the environment we evolved in and we're like the reason we're covering the earth and changing everything so much is because we're one of the most adaptable species that has ever like a, one of the more adaptable mammals and we cooperate and like you said this never-ending process of self-improving like you combine that and multiple individuals into a tight-knit group and that group is exponentially greater than the sum of its parts because as a whole they're able to operate and do that on a wider scale and um yeah like it feels good to do that because that's what we're like made to do yeah exactly mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah i think in uh kind of in the modern society that's like missing from a lot of people's lives you know it's just like that they're not asking themselves those questions they're just kind of referring to like uh, I'm just, like, not really going to think about it because it doesn't impact my everyday life. And I'm just worried about the small things. Yeah. They, they kind of lose their happiness in worrying about the small things. They're like a rodent scurrying on the forest floor. Just like, oh, don't don't need to worry about anything else. Just yeah. mind, my, mind my business. Yeah, I think it's, I think there's been, like, a swing. So, all right, follow me on this one. I think that um, there was, like, too much emphasis put on religious, like, I don't know. I'll start with where we are now. Everybody has like become so kind of like the scientific revolutions made everybody so like empirical minded and everybody just wants proof of stuff. And that's kind of why there's so many, probably more people now than ever that, you know, don't believe in a God or a higher being. Um, I still think most people do, but and question so much. Think, yeah. You think about anything you say now, it's like, where's, Document. Where's the evidence? Yeah. That's actually right. you, Billy. <laughs> it, it kind of is. No, it kind of is. I'm super skeptical too. No, I'm right. right. Well, that's the thing is, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you, you tend to take things more like, okay, I'll take this and then figure out, you know, what's true or false later. Whereas, like, me and Billy immediately are like, new information, very skeptical. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, like, fuck that yeah. bullshit. I don't like, trust that bastard be, and, at all. I don't care what they're saying. It's, it's funny. So that, that uh, William James thing, I was talking about in Taron for two is he mentions that like there's two drives for humans and it's to seek the truth and not to err and he's like you can he's like depends on the person some people emphasize one more over the other so like we're like more worried about not erring we're like hold on I'm just gonna stop everything so I'm not wrong whereas you're like well let's keep going and figure out what the truth is mm -hmm. you know what I mean like you're more worried about that whereas we're more worried about like being like, error. I'm not falling into a trap yeah. of, like, somebody buffaloing me with something that's incorrect. Because yeah. Because I just, like, kind of yeah. took the bait. That's just kind of, like, our personality. Yeah. Where, like, Strems were just like, yeah, all right, I'm going to keep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek the truth. Like, I, I might be and wrong along the way, but I'm just going to keep it. going. I think that's well, the thing, is you stay way more open-minded to, like, okay, the things I could be reading are yeah. truth. Whereas I'm like, yeah. right, the things I'm reading are false <laughs> until yeah. I am shown a reason to prove right. that they are true. Yeah. And, well, that's the thing, too, is... Everything I read, no matter what, I always take with a grain of salt and kind of oh, yeah. look at it in the terms of, like, first principles. And, like, that's, like, going back to that book with that guy who was making the argument for creationism. I can, like, all of his arguments, he just sounded like a lawyer. He was just kind of dumbing down the other person's argument. And so, like, even just reading him, I was like, okay, I kind of see what you're doing here. Like, mm -hmm. I'm... 
kind of look at the roots of stuff. And so obviously I'm reading some stuff and it's like, oh, hmm, ancient Hyboria. Okay, I've heard that word before in some loony bin articles. So, okay, we'll take this with a grain of, large grain of salt, you know, like, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical, but I'm more um, low profile about it. Like, I'll be like, okay, because I've had some people say some just ridiculous, wild, flat-out shit to my face, like, it's crazy shit, and I'm just like, mm, okay, yeah, for sure, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, where's this going? Just play along, yeah. yeah. Where's this going? Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be all one way or the other, you know, it's... Right, yeah, yeah it definitely, definitely we're, not. We're more the one way than the other, but, yeah. yeah, so I think people have become so, like, minded like that, where they need to see the evidence, they need things to back up, that, um, they're not seeing that like you don't like there are certain things by their nature that aren't going to be able to be proven that way like god so just because everything in your world needs to be seen through like a scientific lens like you still need to understand that like yeah okay we can't scientifically prove god maybe but you're just not going to be able to like that's just not they're not compatible you know what i mean yeah definitely <clears throat> using the wrong means to try and measure this yeah. well not only that because yeah with that logic it's impossible to know yeah but the logic that guy was using is he's like yeah that is a difficult problem but i have the solution <laughs> because god wrote us a book yeah. that tells the truth mm -hmm. that he did make everything so when looking at the options I have evidence for this one. Yeah, and it was really tricky. I'll bring it up here because more people listen to this than Terran for two. It was really tricky how he wrote in there how begging, begging the question or a circular argument is technically valid. He's like, he's like, no, you need to be aware because, like you said, it's like an instruction manual on how to win arguments about rather than finding out what the truth is. <laughs> yeah, and so, so it's tricking people <laughs> basically, and so yeah, and. He included in there, well, you know, you got to be careful because saying that the Bible is the truth because it's the word of God. Well, how do you, you know, know it's the word of God? Well, it says so in the Bible. Well, that's a circular argument. It's not getting you anywhere. He's like, so you got to be careful of that. He's like, but isn't it interesting that circular arguments are actually valid? And like, it sounds really counterintuitive because it's a logical fallacy, but in the most technical terms, it is valid because it's not. It doesn't make the argument if false, it but it's not, true, it doesn't yeah. say anything. Yeah. It's, the example they, I, I saw was, um, this item is the highest price in the store because it's the most expensive. Like, yeah, those are both true, and one doesn't make the other one false, but, it, like, why is that the most expensive thing here? Well, it's the highest price. Like, what? <laughs> like, that's not... That literally okay, means I, the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, so it, yeah, so it doesn't get you anywhere, but, like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, so he like put that in there to make it seem like, hey, they're gonna tell you that you're using, you're begging the question, but it's technically a, a valid fallacy. So I mean, I, you know, isn't that weird? And then and he used a lot of arguments yeah. that, by analogy, like for yeah. example, I think one would be like, okay, so science is gonna tell you that the Earth just formed oxygen on its surface, and he's like, well, you can't just fill a jar full of oxygen and then take off the lid and then all the oxygen will escape. God had to have made the atmosphere. It's like, okay, I guess, like, technically, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, since you can't explain it. Like, 
Well, we can explain gravity, right? Which is essentially like <clears throat> magnetic poles, which is like what holds the gas around our planet. Well, God must have made gravity. Well, like, that, and that's where <laughs> that, all that's like all that stuff is scientifically explainable. That it's not a, a like a supernatural force doing it. But that he'll be like, like but no. we haven't identified a particle that creates gravity yet, and gravity's technically still a theory. So they don't even know what they're saying. Like that's what well, the kind of arguments yeah, he'll make. And, and, and he goes even further, and so he says that science isn't even possible without God, because God made, like, um, uniformity in nature, so there's, like, repeatable patterns, so we can do the scientific method. He says God's responsible for that, so thanks to God, we can even do science. So if you're trying to say science proves that God doesn't exist, you're crazy, because you're using us the science that God made for you to try and prove he doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, he backs it, like, the argument in itself, it, like, lines up. Like, his premises support his conclusions, but it's at the bottom of all his arguments is, it says so in the Bible, the Bible's the word of God, because it says so in the Bible. And you're like, okay, yeah. well, that's really Yeah, there's really no empirical <laughs> evidence that way. Like, you, yeah. you have to assume that everything in the Bible is verbatim, yeah. fundamental truth, yeah. and if... You you know you really you really have to take it a hundred percent or nothing because you can't say oh well this is true and this isn't like this yeah. is metaphor and this isn't like no if you're gonna say that one thing is true you think, if you think Genesis true. is true everything is true yeah why why would yeah why would some of it be metaphorical and other parts be literal like I mean maybe right. I mean I if guess, Jesus is terrible it's almost terrible, as if that's it was different. compiled of different books right Strange. yeah exactly and it's that's interesting. Again, you know, it's, yeah. it really t- spoils back down to the empirical evidence, it seems like. It's like well, if you take the Bible as 100% fundamental truth, then maybe you can establish an argument on that. But if you're right. talking to somebody who's thinking objectively, who's going to say, well, that's a book, and people can write whatever the fuck they want to publish it, yeah. like, <clears throat> so what? Well, I know of a book that says that Odin and his brothers killed the frost giant Ymir in Ganungagap and created the world from his corpse. They made... The seas and the rivers from his blood, the trees or his hair. I think they um, made the vault of the sky with his skull, and uh, the clouds are his brains, and boulders are his teeth, and crunched up bones are, his, are the mountains. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So ice water. I like that one way better. <laughs> yeah. Is. Ice yeah. water, cold plunge. <laughs> Is um I like thinking of in bathing in the blood of Emir, you know, and just frost giant blood. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. God, I love the turn that took. And and metaphorically, <laughs> that story is Odin, so Wodanaz, his brothers Vili and Vey, so Will, and then Sanctity. So the breath, the breath of life, will and sanctity, kind of the three godly aspects they found two pieces of driftwood on the shore, a piece of ash and a piece of elm. And they carved the form of the first man and woman, Askar and Embla, and each of them breathed their gift in of life into these beings. So they gave them the breath of life, they gave them will, and they gave them sanctity, among other gifts, and thus created the first man and woman simultaneously not creating woman from man like the Christians. So yeah. more equal 
Still pretty similar to Genesis, though. Yeah, like similar. Breathe, he like literally says he breathed through his nose to let you know life of breath. And, mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of a very common undertone, though, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's always the breath. Yeah, man. That's what I'm, that's what James Nestor's talking about too. Yeah. Is man, there's Wim Hof, fucking power in the breath. I was just talking to somebody about that earlier this week about like stopping anxiety attacks with breathing. It's like. It, it sounds like you're being dismissive of, like, a mental illness, but... Except you've actually dealt with it. Yeah, except for I've actually, dealt yeah, had anxiety. had anxiety disorder and fucking, yeah, squash it. It's, it's just your body's response system. Like, anxiety is there because, you know, sometimes you do gotta fucking worry about shit. Sometimes your life's in danger, so you yep. gotta fucking be on your shit. But uh, having to double back an aisle in the grocery store should not make you fucking feel like, you know, you're being hunted by a mountain lion or something. That should not be like that serious. <laughs> <laughs> but it fucking was. That was literally one of the things I had to, like, my therapist had me do. He was like, all right. He's like, you're going to go to the grocery store? He's like, double back and out. Just, <laughs> just see what happens. Just see, just see how fine you it is. You just go on a shooting and rampage. Just... <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah. But then, like, yeah, once you realize that, all right, it's kind of like this, coming from this primal place, and then you can just use a primal method like breathing to take care of it. Kind of you just calm your breathing and tell your your body that it's fine. Like, look how we're breathing. Everything's fine. I wouldn't be breathing like this if there was a cougar, right? It'd be fucking... And then you're like, oh, wow. What kind of cougar are we talking about? Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Never know. Grocery store, man. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude. <laughs> Yo, I... Anyway, was... you can keep on with that fucking Genesis story, though. That was dope. Yeah. Well, also, um, so that is from the pros, Edda, I believe. In the poetic era parts of it and that was um the prose era was written by snorri sturlson i think the original was written poetic era was also compiled by him too he was a christian monk so yeah there's a lot of similarities because he took all the folk tales and the ancient skaldic poems that he could find in iceland and kind of wrote them with his kind of christian perspective and in order for, he was a monk, so he didn't, doesn't want to get in trouble. So in order for him to write these, in order for him to write these, he kind of has to put like a Christian perspective on it. And um, so he writes them very similar to Genesis. And he's like, yeah, these people are kind of confused that God actually is like the real God. And these Norse gods that they believe in, were actually just people that lived long ago that kind of have been mythologized. So that was his kind of Christian spin that he put on the Norse-Germanic kind of mythology. So all the shit we hear from him, we kind of have to take with a grain of salt also. <clears throat> but, I mean, going on... When when was that? Sorry to interrupt. When, when did he... Um, probably around like the 1100s or something like there. So 1100s, even if it was in the 1100s, it may have been a little bit later. The Viking Age was technically like around 800, you know? Okay. I'm just trying to think of any important dates, but since we just finished up that Christianity, yeah. my class. 1066 <clears throat> was essentially the end of the Viking Age. With the Battle of um, King Harold Hadrada, I believe fought um the normans and i think william the conqueror william the great but basically the english 
the Normans and the Vikings all fought each other in 1066, and it was fucking pretty much decided the fate of England. But, um, but yeah, Christianity soon followed, you know? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> throughout history, though, all these cultures have, and religions have been intertwining and intermixing, and, like, a lot of Christianity is taken directly from ancient Egypt. And so, it's... It's really crazy to see all the similarities between those two kind of religions. Because with, like, the the birth of a virgin, or a virgin pregnancy, and then the prophet getting sacrificed or killed, you know? Yeah, a lot of that kind of just came down to, like, whichever... Because he had a lot of mixing cultures, you know? So it just kind of, everybody had to tell their own creation stories and it just sort of came down to whichever one like one out whichever story was more popular and more accepted just kind of got passed on so yeah you get a big fucking cluster of a bunch of different cultures explanations of things and a bunch of different parables and myths and fucking smack it all together with christianity why not because i mean the, so like the old testament wasn't written until after the second temple period so after the second temple of Jerusalem was destroyed, um, and the Babylonian exile, so the Jews just got fucking scattered about, and so they wanted to like maintain their culture, so they were like, well, let's just start writing these stories down. So eventually they started writing down like you know, what made up the Old Testament, the Tanakh, um, and the Torah. I don't know. Anyway, they, uh, they wrote that shit down, and then obviously from that that's where like christianity has its roots so once that book was around once they had you know their own like written accounts of stuff it was i don't know where i was going with that sorry <laughs> well i mean that's, that's like kind of establishes doctrine <clears throat> yeah it's like it's like it's like the written theology <clears throat> yeah it makes it you know, like solidifies it more than the oral traditions that make it forgotten or whatever right and they get changed too over time when you think about four or five six generations like telling stories yeah like and that's all you hear from basically is like your parents yeah it's right. like uh, that's gonna change a little by little over time yeah. well the thing versus if it's written down the thing too with oral traditions is not necessarily because when the culture remains intact they have like the old the elders and like people of all ages and they have like storytellers who are like the bards where essentially they become an apprentice when they're a kid to the old elder who's a bard or storyteller and they learn all the stories and for them stories they say a good way to think about it is singing a story or like telling a story is like unwrapping a ball of yarn so they they basically know the story of their people from beginning to end and it's like however long and there's certain certain songs for certain seasons and ceremonies and through all that like an oral history or an oral culture can survive a pretty long time like there's native american cultures which have stories from 20 30,000 years ago or like aborigine cultures that have stories of events that happened 50,000 years ago so but we don't I mean, know probably yeah yeah but we don't know well, how much it's they've changed, changed in 50,000 years because we don't know the original version. True, but we're finding evidence that corroborates things they're saying in these stories that we're finding like, oh, wow, this story they're saying actually, like, did happen. 
And, like, obviously things change, but that's, like, the story, even the stories in the Bible or the Torah, a lot of times are metaphorical stories. And so these, this oral culture is still, like, metaphorical. So even though it may change, it, like, may not change the root meaning of it. Well, so I guess that kind of comes down to, it may not, unless you get into John Marco Allegro's shit with the sacred mushroom and the cross, and thinks that the Dead Sea Scrolls were written about pagan fertility rituals and mushrooms. Well, okay, so you're saying, so even the written document changes and evolves over time, so I suppose, yeah, the oral history would it might evolve, be subject yeah. To it. it might be, it, it, might, and it might be less subject to it, because if it's just one, let's say, one tribe of Native Americans telling the same story, they have the same language, so you're not going to use a fucking another, you're not going to use a another to word, tell the story yeah, yeah. and fuck it up, because like, like Adam, Adam and Eve, Adam is, um, fucking Adam is Hebrew for mankind. So, like, it's really important that his name be Adam, mm -hmm. because in the language that it was written, unless the Dead Sea Scrolls it was like man, those right, are, yeah, like mankind was created and not like a man was created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like yeah, so you can't just him, put, womankind yeah, you can't just say fucking Bill was made, God made the first man, Bill. So you can't just do that because that fucks up the whole like metaphor. It's not the right, yeah, <laughs> that the could be even more so done with written because yeah. when you're reading it, you don't know that deeper meaning. Where I think this is an old Egyptian like quote or a proverb or something that a king like once they brought writing and they're like, hey, we have this new technology, we can write down and like keep stock of everything and keep our knowledge, and he's like. He was against it, and he was like, writing will be the undoing of wisdom and knowledge because people won't un have the context of the wisdom because up until that point, wisdom and knowledge was passed by word of mouth, and you told somebody something, you'd teach them the knowledge, but you'd also give them the context and the supporting information, evidence with it, whereas when you read it, you just have a line, and it's however, there's so much context that you lose just from writing it, whereas you can ask questions or yeah. somebody can further explain yeah, something. I can see that. And so with the <clears throat> with the oral culture saying Adam for mankind, they would know that that's the meaning of Adam. So they would know not to change that part. Whereas yeah. people were like, oh what about Adam and Steve? You know, like just <laughs> <laughs> change it like because they don't understand the deeper meaning yeah. of it, you know, like whatever. Oh, yeah, dude, for sure. That's what he's saying, though, is that, like, the uh, the language they use, like, people did get, people have fucked that up. Like, they, you know, if you don't know, because, I mean, he takes it all the way back to cuneiform, the very first written language, where they took these fucking V-shaped reeds and fucking stamped them on wet clay to fucking do, like, just simple shit like payroll. Like they would just yeah, they're like, like receipts right. and stuff yeah. from like Mesopotamia. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure the first record we have, like the earliest record, is how they paid people and in beer. beer. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's oh, amazing. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they went from that to Sumerian, and, um, and then obviously the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So, well, and then too, then they took the fucking Bible and made it in Latin for the fucking Roman Empire or shit. Wasn't so. it in Greek originally? I heard there was a lot of parts Hebrew that were originally Greek, in Greek. Yeah, probably Hebrew to Greek and then probably to Latin. And then it wasn't until... Um, fuck, man. It, it took a very long time before they like decided to... Catholics decided to start, stop doing Mass in Latin. 
Yeah, obviously. Vatican II. That was in like the 60s or yeah, something. Yeah, 64 or something, yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously with Martin Luther and Calvin and Protestantism, that was when they started fucking translating Bibles into like German, like Martin Luther did. And the regional language, but yeah. Catholics fucking A, man. That took them forever. And maybe they were onto something. Maybe they fucking knew every time you translate it to another language, you risk fucking up the meaning. Yeah, well, no, I think it was about the mysticism for the Catholics. <laughs> well, for Catholics, it was probably about the control and but, fucking authority, but yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, it's like it creates more too. mysticism when you don't understand, as a person in the audience, don't understand what the fuck they're saying, and you you're like, supposedly yeah. doing magic in front of me and turning bread into someone's body and wine into someone's blood. <laughs> Very true. You know, I mean, it's like, it's point. all in a different language, like, that Good just point. adds to the mysticism versus, like, when you go and you can Good understand point. everything they're saying, and you hear the priest's, like, speech impediment a little bit, and you're like, it's Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing, too, is, yeah, now that it is translated in English, like, every once in a while, they'll come out with a new version of the little hymnal or wherever where you can follow along, and how, with Catholic Masses, it's pretty interactive. Everybody chants back, you know? <laughs> Dude, that's so creepy to me. Because, uh, like, like, I mean, I didn't grow up Catholic, da, da. but anytime I had to go, like, as a little kid, I had to go to, like, a wedding or a funeral or something, and it was, like, a Catholic thing, yeah, it, was, it seems so culty in the way it echoes in the fucking... I'm sure it's beautiful to some people, but well, it's, it comes out it's creepy to me as the, an outsider. The thing is, is when you go to church every week, it becomes, like, a communal performance with everybody else, and you're like, man, was really hitting those high notes today, yeah, like, you know, I don't know. It's weird, man. It really is weird, and it's <laughs> yeah. it's crazy, because the more you go, like, the better it is, because you go and you're like, oh, that person's here all the time, too, awesome. Yeah, you, get to be, yeah, you have your friends. And, and it's like, I know what part's coming up next, we need to kneel down now, or, oh, we're standing up and singing now, and it's like, I don't know, just learning how to follow along better makes it more enjoyable. Which is kind of definitely weird. Because <laughs> then yeah. when I went back and I kind of like was out of the swing of things and I was just kind of looking on as an outward of outside observer and I was like, I didn't know all the chants and the, yeah. the follow, the responses to the commands and whatever from the priest. And it's like, yeah, this is definitely weird now. Yeah, it was weird. I went... To a mass one time when I was in Texas, I like slept over at my buddy Nacho's house, and I think his mom Nacho. made us all go to church. Yeah, Nacho Martinez, he's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, stole a bike one time, and then we got caught later that day. I mean, not we, like I didn't steal it. But After he church, he was still with us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what day it was, but um, no, yeah, fucking uh, good times, good times. Anyway, Catholic mass, not a great time, really weird. Yeah, it's like mom, you know, they were like... Dude, I grew up on that shit, man. Yeah, for, same. In Catholic school, we went once a week during the week. And then we'd usually go, like, on the weekends, too. Yeah, it's like a really weird... It's just the chanting, it all sounds... It all sounds really medieval. Like, it all yeah. echoing through the fucking chapel. But that's the draw uh, of it. Yeah. And also, a lot of the modern oh, churches, like, aren't that built that way. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I mean, all of those churches were built, like, you know almost 200 years ago now yeah uh, in the same time period like the same kind of architectural structure the same yeah if you ask jordan peterson there's a fucking purpose to all, like all even the shape of like the cathedrals and stuff sacred geometry yeah mm -hmm. like the stained glass is supposed to be um it's like the fucking sunlight coming in through the trees you're supposed to be like in the woods mm -hmm. kind of gets real pagany but the yeah thing... muslim mosques real quick they fucking utilize sacred geometry like fucking crazy mm -hmm. muslims love that shit 
Oh, no, yeah. Sacred geometry is huge, and it's on. It's yeah. cool when you learn about that stuff, but, like, the good, like, the enjoyable parts of church would be, like, the tradition aspect of it. It's like, wow, my my grandparents and their, probably their parents, too, went to the same church or whatever, maybe. Yeah. You've been going since you were a kid. I think yeah. that's why my, my mom was so adamant about Nate and I doing, like, going through and getting confirmed and all that stuff, because yeah. it was, like, my whole family on her side was very, like, Roman Catholic and same and it's like yeah and so it was like i feel like she felt like it was it was like <clears throat> she was something that she like had to do keep passing on I right mean, exactly like continue the tradition if she did she like let like the whole lineage down yeah it's really I, interesting i think that was really really important and i think it's just becoming it's the community aspect is has always been important i think we always need you need something like that but i think as time's gone on we found other ways to find close to that maybe not the same thing maybe that you know not everything has that sort of like religious and spiritual you know feel to it um but you think about all the other ways people have communities all like now more than ever there's a fucking community thing going on for goddamn everything you know what i mean mm-hmm, any group yeah. any interest you have any fucking like you see how many fucking like clubs there are at uwsp yeah, like, yeah and even like facebook find... groups like if you yeah. you know if you have like some odd thing in your life or like a rare disease or like you know anything like that that sets you apart there's like a community out there yeah there's a you community can like get into the yeah. people that can empathize with you so I, I think people are like turning away from the church because they can find community elsewhere but i think you you need to find that community though you know you can't just like leave like a religious or you can't you know what i mean you can't just like give up on religion Blaze, then, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll end up an incel like yeah you need to also find a group of people in the community to go do something with like weekly <laughs> but yeah but have and having a group of people that are all like open-minded enough where you can all be spiritual in your own way or whatever in your whatever group you have i feel like people are pretty open-minded to that yeah, nowadays nice. so um yeah i think we would all agree that it's better to be like open-minded right like you want to be you don't want to think that like you're a way you know like, your way or nothing, probably. Yeah. Right? Like you don't want to be so sure of yourself, but you want to be able to maintain that. Right. Right. Are you open-minded to not maintaining that? I gotta take a piss, but that's something I've been, I've been thinking about. not maintaining open-mindedness? Well, yeah, like, so think about moral relativism versus moral absolute. Like, a, a creationist, a fundamentalist Christian will tell you that there is one set of morals. God gave us those morals. He wrote them down in the Bible. You have to follow that. Any deviation from that is wrong. I tend to think that we are more like moral uh, relativists where it's kind of like, I mean, some cultures have different, th- you know, Korea, they eat dogs, like whatever, like mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, what are you going to do? It's kind but included in that, then do you have to include, like, are you, are you making your moral relativism the absolute position? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you, mm-hmm. are you saying that you have to, be open-minded. be open-minded to everything. You know what I mean? Like, is that weird? Is that a, a I stance? Think I gotta take a piss. That's that is really <laughs> interesting. Okay. Do well, you have I, to be open to everything. I think that's a paradoxical situation, and I have a paradoxical answer to that. It's like nothing is absolute. You know, you like some people. You need to accept that they're they're not going to be open-minded to things. And to like be okay with that, and just accept that they're accept that, and really, the it depends on where you draw the line in the sand. But I mean, 
it's just comes to the point of how much you're willing to give or put up with for them to be absolute in their beliefs. So if like them to believe, like maintain the, your relationship with them essentially. Like let them believe what they want, but until up until the point where it actually interferes with you and comes against your beliefs, then I mean choose to take a stand. Well, and that could be even be like, like a good example I could think of would be like voting here in America, where it's like, okay, the way we pit our politics against each other are, well, what's good for you is the opposite of what's good for me. And in some instances, like the, the issues are like totally polar opposite and being open that that's basically like saying like, okay, you like me and someone else, or say me and you have, like, totally differing opinions on one issue, but we can basically just set that aside and be like, yeah, like, this person wants the opposite of me, what I want, and I want the opposite of what they want, and maybe we don't have, like, we both have good reasons for wanting that thing and being on that side, but we can, like, be open and, like, put it aside and still, like, maintain, like, be okay with that. Be like, oh, they kind of want total opposite things as me, and if you know, if, if it goes too far one way or too far the other way, like, it'll be great for them and bad for me, or great for me and bad for them. But I can still just put it aside and be like, yeah, well, we're still friends, and I, like, care about that more than I care about this issue that could be detrimental to me. If yeah. said person had their, you know, like, their side was correct. Up until it pushes one way or the other, and then you need to readdress. Yeah. Because everything's constant flow. But I think just achieving a balance of like, yeah, let people believe what they believe mm-hmm. up until the point it conflicts with you and actually like causes problems with you and your beliefs. Be like, okay, then mm-hmm. choose the line to draw for when to put up resistance. Nice. Yeah, and like where the line is where it's like, oh, well, we see like politically it'd be like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm the opposite of someone that I'm friends with. But we can like totally put that aside even though we have, you know, see the world completely different and maybe something that I do, they see as evil and vice versa. Like, we can still, like, put that aside and still, like, be friends and, like, you know. Yeah. Not let that destroy things just because we have those differing viewpoints that are so opposed. Yeah, it's it's almost more of just, like, a regional thing, like, geographically, because, like, you know, it doesn't matter... Like, cause I'm thinking of, like, America. Like, it doesn't really matter, like, ethnicity, racial background people have. It's, you, your morals are just kind of shaped by the community around you. Like, you need to mm-hmm. be able to, you can't, like, be neighbors with somebody who's, like, that, that far off from what you believe. You know what I mean? You think like, so? Well, I guess there's, like, a certain point where. We know there's people like that a, are married that, like, politically are, like, total opposites. And, like, when, <clears> you know, when, like, when campaign season comes around, on one side of the yard, they'll have, like one sign and the other side of the yard they'll have the other sign i guess like live in the same house i guess there's like a a threshold like there's only so much so many differences or maybe it's just like the severity of the difference that you can like Mm -hmm. the like the area will tolerate you know what i mean but every person's different too because some people are able to tolerate way more right that's the openness to not being open-minded hell yeah (laughs) Comes, it all comes back around. Yeah, like that's, it's literally how open to 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 close mindedness are you, and yeah. it makes you like more agreeable in all ways, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's probably 
like a, a you could pretty much say for anything in life it's just yeah about a balance like you need a certain amount of like as your personality too you need a certain amount of agreeableness but yeah you need to be able to not let fucking narcissistic people take advantage of you like. right or at least have your own <laughs> opinions yeah. and your so, own thoughts about yeah. things and not like let somebody else push you around or yeah, so to form your opinion for you because you want them to like to like you you know yeah like it's like you can you can be okay with somebody having a different opinion as, as you on something and like be totally okay with being friends with them but that person may be like no i can't i can't do that because you have this view on this yeah so you might be open to it and be yeah. like i can deal with it but like they just might not be able to yeah yeah really comes down to it i guess it's like yeah <clears throat> you guys want to end it there Oh, yeah, he said you have yeah, here. You want to read this? I'll read this one passage from um, four minutes. Four minutes, okay. Do you want to save it for next time? Or can you get... I'll save it for next time. But this we book, I want to discuss. Yeah, this book, um, Wooden Leg, a warrior who fought Custer. So, Wooden Leg interpreted by Thomas Bailey Marquis. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. But back in the day, dude was living on a res, Wooden Leg. And he communicated to this dude through Native American sign language. And so this book was interpreted through sign language. But it's an amazing book. And incredible how good sign language is, apparently. Wow. That sounds painstaking. Yeah. Well, yeah, so a lot of effort went into this book. But Woodenleg, dude who's called Woodenleg because of his crazy endurance, named after his uncle, who was also named Woodenleg. <laughs> but, um, yeah, badass dude. So, I guess we'll get into this next time, but I have some yeah. awesome readings for this. We can part. talk about if my leg feels better or not. Because if it doesn't, then I'll be like, oh shit, I need a wooden leg. Yeah, yeah you need to be like wooden leg. <laughs> need to figure out this LCL issue. No, you need have you seen pain. anybody about it? No, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. It, like, the amount of pain isn't that concerning. Like, the, when I ran, like, three weeks ago with X and we ran five miles, it started hurting probably around, like, mile two. And Ooh. I just kind of, like, toughed it out, and that and it hurt for, like, a week. And mm. then this week when I ran just under two miles, it started hurting probably like mile and a half ish. And I, you know what? I ran like another quarter of a mile or so like, and then it only hurt for like a day. So I don't know. It's not like, it's like, it's manageable, you know, like mm. it seems like it's doing okay. It's not like I ran half a, a mile and a half or I ran a block and right, all of a sudden my knee was swollen week. for a week. Yeah. It's Dude, just like, I'm telling <clears> you, it was probably out of balance because that's the leg you drive with and then four by four by 48 irritated and now you're just like noticing it and it's getting more attention so you're like oh man this thing's a big problem whereas like it probably was a problem before we just never noticed it because that's that's for me i'm noticing like with my shoulders being out of balance i'm looking at my traps like the sizes are way different just because i think a main thing is because how much i've held a gun or drawn a bow like that just differentiation in size of my traps is like that's probably leading to a lot of my shoulder issues so it's like finding things that you're like fuck i didn't even notice this was fucked up you know yeah mm -hmm. so who so knows tune in next time to hear about running and wooden leg and custer seeing if taryn gets a wooden leg by then See, yeah. yeah all right catch Thanks us on instagram maybe we'll post something one of these days fuck but billy we need to post some stuff from your um hunting yep. trip Do it, yeah dude. yeah definitely yeah so People look forward to, to that it. all right all right